0: what's up everyone welcome to the podcast i'm your host isaiah copan this is lift and learn episode 2 For this bonus episode, we'll just get straight into the fitness topics this time. And then next week we'll have a regular show that includes five or 10 minutes of things going on in my life or current events, along with two or three fitness topics that I'll talk about for the majority of the episode. That being said, let's get into the first topic. What's progressive overload and how do I do it? So if you're trying to make progress in the gym and in health and fitness in general, then progressive overload is something you need to keep in mind. Why? Well, if you do the same thing over and over again, you'll eventually plateau because your body has no reason to grow and adapt to a new stimulus. Now, you won't be able to go up and wait every single session in the gym and progress going forward is not linear and that's in any aspect of life. You will eventually have days where you'll feel weak due to poor sleep, or you ate something bad or life could be stressful at that moment for you. Progressive overload is an increase of stress placed on your body during exercise training. And that means over time, and there's multiple ways to achieve this to continue to make progress when you think it's stalling. Progressive overload is important because you need to continue to get stronger and or faster or just better in general for your body to improve and become better overall. The most common way people do this, if we're talking about building muscle, is by adding weight on the bar. That's probably one of the easiest way to track that you're making progress, because if you're adding more weight onto the bar over a few weeks or a few months, then you're likely, but not always, making progress in the right direction. I say not always, because there are many factors that come into play, like if you compromise form during your lifts, you might appear to be stronger, But you're actually not. You could be speeding up your reps when it starts to get more difficult or heavier, and you could start to use more momentum in your lifts than you should be. But besides those minor details, what happens when you're doing everything properly and start plateauing and you might even be declining in a sense? Well, you need to find a way to push yourself constantly with your workouts because your body won't change unless you force it to change. That way it'll recover and repair your muscles stronger than ever. So we talked about adding weight to your lifts, and that's called increasing intensity. There's also increasing volume, increasing frequency, increasing time under tension, and even something that you might think is really minor, which is decreasing rest time between sets. Time under tension is an easy way to make your workout harder. I guarantee at least 95% of people who train in the gym have never decided to slow their reps down. For example, on a squat, you squat down and you stand up again. Well, if we're breaking down the movement on the squat, when you're going down, that's called the eccentric part of the lift, which means your muscles are expanding or stretching. And when you're going up, that's called the concentric part of the lift, which is when your muscles are contracting. So usually you'll see most people in the gym spending one second going down in the squat and then a second going up in the squat. Well, something that could make a squat harder if you don't have access to a lot of weight, for example, is slowing down the rep as a whole. What will make the exercise harder or more intense for you is if you do something like a three-second eccentric that's going down with a one-second explosion concentric going up. Or you can even try something like a four-second eccentric and a two-second concentric, sorry, and that'll get you some great activation and intensity throughout your muscles. You can even do an advanced technique that's called like a pause rep if you need to. Another factor that can help you improve and get stronger is upping your training volume. Now volume is sets times reps times weight. The best part about volume is that you don't need to change everything all at once to elicit the change in your body. All you have to do is change one thing. You can add an extra set in your workout routine, like we said earlier, you can add weight to your routine, or you can even just add one extra rep into your routine and you'll likely be making progress in the right direction. When I first started lifting at Humber College, I mean, I started lifting pretty late. I was already 23 at the time, which is when I first started studying health and fitness. I remember watching videos of people benching, namely Mike Rashid, and I wanted to get a big bench press, and that's all I cared about at the time. And when I first started, I was benching 145 pounds for eight reps, and that was was already a struggle. Now, I didn't really know about the term progressive overload at this time when I started training because I didn't really have any prior knowledge in this field at the time. But I knew that my goal was to get a stronger bench, so I'd write down and log my chest workouts. At the time, I only cared about bench, so the only logs I wrote down were for bench. Looking back now, I should have tracked everything, but at the time, I only wrote down my bench numbers. So I started at 145 for 8 reps, and I knew I wanted to get stronger there, so in my head, I just decided, well, I'll just add weight slowly on the bar. Every few weeks, a rep here and a rep there, sometimes I'll add 5 pounds to the bar. Those small little increments didn't seem like that big of a deal when I looked at my training day to day, but eventually that added up. And over the next few months, I saw a big increase in my bench press. Even with my beginner programming and little knowledge, I was able to get my bench at the time to two plates during my first year of lifting in the college gym, and for the most part, I caught up with my lifting buddies. At the time, I didn't even have a gym membership, and I actually remember not being able to go to the gym over Christmas break because the college campus was closed. So after about three weeks off, I lost some strength, but I gained it back pretty quickly by using these methods without even really knowing what I was doing, because I was still studying it in class. Another factor that I'll talk about on this podcast, because we could really go on and on when it comes to this topic, but the last one I want to cover is training frequency. This is actually one that really makes a difference in most people, and it's really applicable for those who have been in the gym lifting for a while. I've had multiple people come up to me in the gym asking for some advice with their training and when I ask them what their routine looks like usually it's them hitting one or two body parts per day or the typical push-pull legs routine which I actually like most of the time but if you do start to see a stall in your strength or your progress then maybe what you need to do is hit your body parts more than once or twice a week. And that's why lately I've been doing an upper-lower split, which means I'll hit the upper body on Monday, lower body on Tuesday, upper body on Wednesday, etc. This means I'm actually able to bench press, row, squat, deadlift, OHP three times a week as opposed to once or twice. And that'll contribute to more progression for me, and it's been pretty good for me for two months straight now. I'm able to squat or bench 3 times a week now, and even if the load isn't constantly going up every week, at least I'm practicing that movement 3 times a week, and I'm forcing my body to improve with all my lifts because I'm practicing it a lot more than I would've. Over a year, that could be the difference of me practicing a movement 50 times or 150 times. Now because I'm doing an upper-lower split, I'm not pushing RPE, which is Rate of Perceived Exhaustion, which I'll cover in another episode. But I'm not pushing that RPE to the max, since that's not really the focus right now. Last but not least, another factor when it comes to progressive overload, and that's time. Time could mean a few different things when it comes to resistance training. If you're usually resting 2 minutes between sets, then doing the same workout with only 30 seconds of rest, that'll mean that the workout itself should be harder than normal, and if you completed it, that could also be a way to progress. So basically, you can decrease rest times between sets, which leads to more volume over a shorter amount of time, requiring yourself to work harder than what you're used to. Now, doing more, yes, it's important, but it's not the end-all be-all. Programming needs to be set up properly so that you can improve over time. Do everything slowly, ramping up more sets and more reps over time. It won't progress every week sometimes, so you have to keep that in mind. You don't want to get into overtraining territory though because that could be another setback to look out for when you're too focused on improving numbers or constantly progressing forward every single workout every single day. Remember that progressive overload is important, but not the only way to improve. We all have days where we feel off, so if you miss certain numbers that you're not supposed to be hitting, it'll be fine. Progress is not linear, and that means you might not be progressing every single workout and that's okay. What I like to do is reflect on my workouts at the end of every month to see what my workouts were at the beginning compared to the end. I log my workouts with an app called Gymbook because they have a pretty good app that works on the iPhone and it pairs really well with the Watch app. While you're in the gym, you can start the Watch app and log your lifts through the watch and after you log a set, it automatically starts a timer so that you'll know when you need to start the next set. In the iPhone app, you can dive deeper into your workout logs There's graphs you can look at, and I've been using it for a while now, so I can go back multiple years to see what I was doing in 2017 if I feel like. So yeah, I'll check my workouts every now and then to see if there's some kind of progression, and if there is, then I'm doing fine, I don't need to change much. But if not, then I know that I might need to change something going forward. Don't get tied down to any numbers, whether that be in the gym, the scale, or certain calories, because it's impossible to stay on that straight and narrow road all the time. Enjoy your food and training, and that'll do more benefits for you, and will continue to keep you active and on the right path for a long time. Congratulate yourself for sticking to certain good habits. There will be times in the gym where you can relax and just move through the motions in the gym, which is a form of practice, and there are going to be other times where you need to go hard and push yourself. Eventually, you will have to get to a point where you're progressing in some way to see some kind of progress, but you just have to remember to be patient. Next question. What are SMART goals? Last thing I'll leave you with in this episode if you're looking for somewhere to start your fitness journey is right here. You should generally know how calories work if you listen to the first episode, and now I'll teach you about setting SMART goals which should be used no matter what phase of your fitness journey you're in, or honestly, Anything you're trying to achieve in life, even if it's not fitness related, because this is applicable in all aspects. First off, SMART is an acronym that stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time. And there's a bunch of different words you can use for the specific letter, but that's the way I learned them in school. Ultimately though, it's a good general template to use. We'll go in order of course, and we're talking about the S, which stands for specific. Goals need to be specific. You can't just write down, I want to lose weight. The goal needs to be specific. So something better to write down, as opposed to, I want to lose weight, would be, I want to lose 20 pounds, or I want to gain 5 pounds. That's really it for step number one. If you're like me and looking to get stronger, then a goal of mine currently would be to get back to that 225 pound bench press since the pandemic Kind of hindered that lift for me. Next up, we have measurable. If we're talking about fat loss, something that could be related to losing weight could be something like losing 10 or 20 pounds or shrinking your waist two inches. For me, a good measurable goal of mine would be to grow my biceps an inch, for example. Attainable, that's A, is next, and we have to make a goal that is actually attainable. Losing 50 pounds in a month or two is not exactly viable for anyone unless you're morbidly obese or in the class three obesity range. Losing 50 pounds could be part of your long-term goal, but you should set smaller goals in the meantime. So start with something as little as 10 pounds, and then after you achieve that, you can change your goals accordingly. Start with something small at first, that way it's more achievable and sustainable, so you won't be letting yourself down if, you've, if you fail your goal, which was out of your reach to begin with. And now we're at R, which stands for realistic or relevant. I'll use myself as an example for this one. It wouldn't be realistic if I told myself that I want to win a powerlifting meet before the end of the year. I mean, one, I haven't trained for one, And it wouldn't really be realistic for me because I wasn't really able to train in a gym or train hard in general for the past four to five months due to the pandemic. So my strength isn't really where it should be right now since I've only been back at it for less than two months. Losing four to eight pounds in a month is pretty realistic though. As long as you're on point with your diet and nutrition and exercise... And if you do that consistently over a few months, that will add up to a lot of progress from where you first started. So make sure your goal is realistic and remember that the health and fitness journey, it's a marathon, like I've said before. And we've come up on the last one and it's the simplest one, time. This is pretty obvious. Give yourself ample amount of time to reach this goal of yours. Challenge yourself though to hit your deadlines and then reevaluate them after a few weeks or months and then make another smart goal after if you need to. Giving yourself time to finish your goal will give you a sense of accomplishment. Hopefully you reached your goal by the end of it, but if you haven't, then that's okay too. If your goal was to lose 15 pounds in eight weeks, and after eight weeks you only lost 12 pounds, then that's still progress that you've made and you have to acknowledge that. Now you can reevaluate what you did over the last eight weeks and see what you can do to improve the next time around. Maybe you went a little overboard when you had a cheat meal one day and then decided to just eat whatever you wanted for the rest of the weekend. Or maybe you just didn't get adequate protein on some days of the week. And that's fine. That's when you have to look at yourself honestly. Remember that getting to your goal is not going to be a linear process. Like I've said, there's always going to be setbacks because life, I mean, it's difficult. It's stressful at times. And it's going to be hard to stay 100% consistent with whatever you decide to do And health and fitness is no different. So that concludes this episode. So I just want to thank you for listening to this. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. See you next week with another episode where I'll be talking about why you should and need to squat and why you should be doing mobility work. Thanks, guys. See you in the next one.